whatever is in your head is going to dictate how you respond and react throughout the conversation. Everything that we do, say, and take action on comes from how we're thinking and feeling in that moment. That's Dan Lappin. Today we're talking about how to start a conversation in a virtual environment. In this episode, we break down the challenges facing sales professionals and offer tactical insights to help you make the most out of every interaction. Let's jump in. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Today, we're going to talk about how to start the conversation so you can build trust. For our listeners out there, you may think it's pretty straightforward, but we're going to talk about some psychology today that I I think you're going to find interesting. So you're on Zoom and you're going to have this conversation or this meeting with your prospect via Zoom. It could be WebEx. It could be whatever the, the service is, the platform. You have to understand that your prospect is human. And so when they get on that Zoom call with you, there are innate human tendencies that are going to kick in for your prospect. So the first human tendency is going to be is this interaction with you going to harm or help them? They're trying to figure that out. So anthropologists hypothesized tens of thousands of years ago that we as human beings, when we would approach another tribe, if we belonged to a tribe that say had fresh kill, but we didn't have a fire and we didn't have shelter, we were going to approach another tribe for the fire and the shelter and we might trade. Well, back then you had to be pretty quick to determine if that interaction was going to harm or help because it could get bad quickly. So from there, we as human beings have evolved and we are continually and constantly assessing conversations, situations, and environments so we can figure out and forecast how is this interaction going to go for us. That's exactly what your prospects are doing. Here's what makes it hard though on Zoom. 55% of what we communicate as human beings is body language. I don't think that's surprising news. 35% is tone and 10% is words. Most Zoom calls you only see from the shoulders up. We as human beings communicate a lot through how we sit, angles of and how we position our feet, our legs crossed left, right, and we communicate a ton with our hands. And you can't see those on Zoom. The brain is used to picking those nuances up. So if you're in a conference room or you're in someone's office, your brain is programmed to look for what the hand gestures are doing, what the body language says, how are they sitting. Your brain is also programmed to pick up eye contact And we all know on Zoom, eye contact is kind of weird. You really don't know if someone's truly ever looking at you, but your brain is constantly trying to figure that out. Is there eye contact going on? Whereas live, you can tell when someone's looking at you. So again, the brain is in overdrive sometimes trying to pick up all these nuances on Zoom that they're used to picking up. I'm going to add one more thing to it, Kylie. Your brain also pays attention to the backgrounds. Whatever that background is behind you, 
your prospect subconsciously and consciously is trying to decipher the information in your background. So the messier and the crazier and the more disheveled your background, it actually becomes a distraction for your prospect as they're trying to listen to your words because their brain's already in overdrive trying to gather as much as they can about how the interaction with you is going to work. I was on a meeting a couple weeks ago with somebody who had a book in the background. And for probably far too many seconds, I was trying to figure out what the title of the book was. <laughs> I was trying to read the name of the book in the background. And then I had another uh, meeting and the back of their office was a ton of bookshelves and a bunch of posters. And the entire time, I'm just like, what the heck is going on back there? I was more intrigued by trying to figure out the decor behind them. So I completely understand where you're you're coming from with this. And I do it not even really realizing that, hey, I'm I'm really not focused on what this person's saying if I'm worried about what's going on behind them. Yeah, it's so true, Kylie. I was on a couple calls this week and one of the individuals, the background was some shelves that looked like they were leaning from right to left. There were stacks of like sloppy papers all through the shelves. And then they had some open boxes stacked behind them. It does give you this impression that this person is a bit disorganized. And this person may not understand that's the impression that they're given. And they may be fully prepared for the conversation. But you pick up these nuances, and it did. It left me impression that this person was going to be poor at follow through, and that I was probably going to have to make sure I paid a ton of attention to what they were committing to, because their background said that they were a very disheveled individual. So you'd be surprised how much we pick up via Zoom about someone and and how we anticipate their backgrounds going to represent how they're going to handle the interaction or the process with us. The other thing I've noticed, a lot of times people will type while they're on the Zoom call. And I don't know if people don't realize this, but your box in the Zoom room lights up when it picks up noise. And so every time you type, your box is lit up. So I know exactly where that noise is coming from and I can tell you're typing. Not to mention, I can see your eyes are no longer looking up at the screen a lot of times. Yeah, Kylie, I would say that's okay though, right? Because they could be typing their notes. Maybe. But I, I give the disclaimer, if I'm going to be taking notes on a Zoom call, I let them know, hey, if you hear me typing or see me looking away, I'm just taking notes on all the good stuff that you're telling me so I don't forget anything. I, I let them know ahead of time. You know, the other thing on the Zoom call is when you're at home, and I don't know how many of our listeners are now working from home and what percentage of time, but still, you have to understand that's your safe haven. That's your harbor. Psychologically, that is where you go and kick back and you don't feel like you have to be on game for anybody or anything. It is the place where you can let go and just be within your comfort zones period, end of story. It's your safe harbor. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to conduct business at home. Business is about stretching comfort zones, 
Business is about trying your best to put yourself in the best mental position to bring out your A game, but you're, you're doing it in an environment that has been completely set up and accepted and anticipated as your safe haven, where you can just be who you are and not have to worry about stretching, comfort zones, growth, taking on challenges or anything. So be aware of your home environment and where you're having your calls because your environment is conducive and congruent, maybe that's the better word, to bringing out your A game. If you're in a haphazard environment, you're going to have a difficult time bringing out your A game. Yeah, I definitely struggled working from home the few months that we were quarantined. And I wasn't getting as dressed up as I normally do for work. I wasn't doing the things that I knew would set me up for success later on in the day. It was kind of just get up and, and go start working because things are all very convenient and right there and I don't have to go anywhere. And for me, it was just, it was not a motivating situation. So we talked about the visual component. Let's talk about the mindful component. For our listeners, I know a lot of you know what we do and what we teach. So I know you work hard at trying to remove or at least compartmentalize the wants and the needs and the anticipations and expectations that you have for any prospect or client conversation that you're going to walk into. Very important as a high performer, knowing where your mind is and being self-aware of what your intents and your biases might be as you go into that conversation. Very important. But let's talk about a technique that's really powerful. Some of you write stuff down on a piece of paper and you remind yourself, great, it's a good start. But we all know sometimes that's not enough. Some of you will do some mantras and we know that's a good start too, where you might say, hey, I need to let go of all expectations. I need to focus on how and if I can help. I need to make sure that I don't put all this pressure on me and them for some kind of next steps. And those are great reminders. But we all know sometimes they don't always help. What I'm going to suggest here is very straightforward. It's two to 10 minutes of breathing. I do it. Kylie, you've done it. Pam does it. I know Tom does it. And I'm always amazed at how much clarity it truly gives me and how it calms me before I get into that conversation. I'll give you an example. I, I did a, a virtual presentation or speaking engagement this past week to several hundred people. And before I got on, I was feeling antsy. I was feeling some anxiousness because I wasn't quite sure how I was going to connect with a certain population of the audience. So I was putting all this pressure on myself to make sure I connected with them. And as I kept putting pressure on myself, I kept feeling my attachment and my scarcity and all that accelerate. So I sat down and I just, for two minutes, I just took some deep breaths in, held and deep breaths out. But for our listeners, here's the key. Visualize and feel the breath going up through your nostrils, into your gut, into your chest, and hold it, and then visualize it coming out. And as it comes out, and as you release the breath, visualize yourself releasing your anxieties or whatever's causing you to feel tension and pressure. This is what high performers do, whether it's in sports, whether it's in music, we heard the story this past week, we were talking about surgeons 
when they gather their teams together before they go into a heart surgery or a brain surgery or anything like that, they do very mindful exercises to make sure everybody in that operating room is so 100% in that present moment. There's no future thought or past thought. We hear people say in sports, get your head in the game. It's just being present in that exact moment, not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future, but worrying about right where you are. In that present moment, you're not fast forwarding to the future, which is, is this going to go well? Or I hope this goes well. Or what if it doesn't? Because the future is where our fears are created. And being in the present also allows us to avoid the past, which is, man, I've had these meetings before and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, or my last five meetings haven't gone well, or I really blew it on my last conversation and man, I hope this time I don't blow it. When we think about the past like that, we're just bringing anxiety and hesitation now into the moment. So that is why it's so important to be in the present. You work so hard for your appointments, you work so hard for these conversations you have to have a process of truly bringing your mind and your head into that very moment so you're not thinking about the future and worrying about it or the past and feeling anxiety about it. You're in that moment. Dan, one of the things that you mentioned was visualizing yourself releasing the anxiety with that deep breathing. One of the other things I visualize in in some of those anxiety moments, and I had one this past week, we kicked off a new client virtually. It was a two full day kickoff on Zoom. And I was feeling very anxious. I was very worried that I was going to have 20 some people falling asleep on me by the end of this after four hours of being on Zoom and we still have another four more to go. I mean, all of the scenarios were running through my head about how this could be a complete disaster. And one of the things, going back to that visualization that I did, was just visualize the end of the two days, getting positive feedback from people saying, hey, that wasn't so bad. You know, I just kept saying to myself, this is going to go well. This is going to be a positive thing. We're going to be very resilient. And we know that this is unlike any other time that we've experienced. And this is going to be a good test to make sure that we all can stay present and all the good things that could come out of this. So I just visualized that that end of the two days and how well it went. How did it go? It went well. <laughs> I did get the feedback that, hey, that wasn't so bad. And I can't believe it It wasn't um, as painful as we all thought it was going to be. So yeah, I got some good feedback, which was great. It's good. You guys were probably exhausted. It was. It was exhausting. But at the same time, we had really great discussion the whole time. Everybody was very engaged. And I think we were all very mindful of the fact that this was going to be challenging. And we anticipated that. And so we took extra steps, extra breaks, extra participation activities, interactive activities throughout the entire thing to keep people there <laughs> present, right? All right, Dan. So we've talked about the visual component, the mindfulness component. What's next? So the next part of starting a conversation virtually in this environment that we're in is trying to help that other human being feel safe. I don't know what episode it was, Kylie. We went through that example of that cup of coffee. 
So for our listeners, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version. You know, someone tells you to have a cup of coffee with, say, with me, and I'm a performance coach. And out of obligation, you have that cup of coffee with me. When you walk into that cup of coffee, you know, think about how you feel. And if I just start asking you tons of questions and stuff about what you do, how you do it and all that, every time I ask you a question and you don't know me, more than likely, most of you listening are going to be thinking to yourself, where's Dan going with this? What's his intent? What's he looking for? When is he going to start to sell me? And the reason why you think that way is because you've been preconditioned to think that way. And it also goes back to that harm or help. You're trying to figure out, are you going to have a conversation with me where I'm going to try to make a sale? I'm going to put pressure on you. And that's something none of you want when you sit down with anybody over a cup of coffee. Well, it's the same thing for your prospects. So if I want to have a good conversation with you, one where you feel like you can be safe and honest with me, the key to it will be you don't feel like I want and need something from you. That's the key here. So Kylie, the next step is to help that prospect feel like you don't want and need something from them. Because when they feel that way, human nature is we all shut down. Most of you might say, well, Dan, I do want something from them. I've worked hard for this meeting and I, and I do want something. That's the sales mindset. That's the attached, low intent, scarce sales mindset. If you put yourself in that cup of coffee with me or even Kylie, and one of us walks into that cup of coffee with you, and you can feel that we want and need something from you. We want to advance a sale. We want to gain a commitment from you. We want you to like us. We want you to share your pain. When you feel that want and need from us, what does that make you do? For most of you, it's going to have an effect where you pull back. You feel cautious. It creates resistance. It's the same thing when you go to your prospects and you want and need something from them. You're actually just creating resistance. They hold back on their answers. They become cautious in what they say and they invest minimal energy into that conversation with you. And I know you didn't work that hard for that to happen. So the first thing you got to do is you have to let that prospect know in your own way that you do not need anything from them in that moment. This sounds great in theory, Dan. Can you share some examples with us on what this might sound like? Absolutely. So if we go back to the cup of coffee example, you're sitting at the table. I'm going to approach you. I sit down. I create some small talk with you. And then I just start asking you questions about your business or about how you do things. And as I'm asking you questions, you can tell I'm trying to direct the conversation in a certain way. Again, what does that do? It creates resistance. However, what if I come in and I sit down and Kylie, you're that individual. And I just say, I just say, Kylie, I, it's great Pam introduced us, but I want to let you know that just because someone like Pam introduces us, I didn't come in here with any assumptions. And one of the things I like just put on the table right away is, you know, we've both done this. We both know sometimes these conversations, they make sense to continue in the short term. And we both know sometimes in the short term, they don't make sense to continue. And I don't want you to feel any pressure on either way. I don't have expectations either. Let's just talk. Wherever we end up, we end up. You could do something like that. Sometimes you could even come right out and say, I don't have any expectations and it's not going to surprise me at all if this conversation doesn't go anywhere in the short term. 
they normally don't. You can come out with something as decisive as that if you need to, just to let that other person know it's okay. Nothing's required of them. They're not on the hook. It feels like the pressure's off. We can both just be here in the conversation and not worry about where it's got to go. Again, going back to that worry, if we're worried about where it's going, we're not present. Bingo. Well said. And I just want the listeners to also know, these are my words, but they do come from a detached, high intent, and abundant mindset. But they're my words. As a listener, your words can be different because it's not about the words. Remember, 55% of what we communicate as human beings is body language, 35 is tone, 10% is the words. But if my head is truly in that high performance mindset, my body language, my tone, and my cadence is going to follow. And that's what the prospect, or in this case, what you would pick up on from me. You'd probably pick up a, a calmness from me. Dan, what do you want our listeners to walk away from this episode with? Kylie, the biggest takeaway is that walking into a conversation, whatever is in your head, whatever is filling that space, that is going to dictate how you respond and react throughout the conversation. Because everything that we do say and take action on comes from how we're thinking and feeling in that moment. And if we're in the future, we're going to feel some anxiety. If we're in the past, we're going to feel some of the same. But if we're in the present, we're more than likely going to feel really good and we're going to have our A-game. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode? <laughs>